Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast series that explores financial complexities and modern strategies for the discerning investor. Brought to you by Ropan Financial Services. Now to our host. Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, presented to you by Ropan Financial Services. My name is John Calabro and I'll be your host today. And I'm usually joined by the directors of Ropan Financial Services, Jason Panazzotili and Rodney Gillum, to discuss all things wealth. But today, Jason's taking a back seat, and we've got a special guest in the room, Simon Burns, who's a local real estate agent. So today, the focus is going to be on property and the property piece of the portfolio. Rodney, how are you doing? Yeah, sounds really good, John. I'm well. It's been a really nice week in terms of weather, so it's been a challenge to stay focused and committed to our meetings scheduled for the week. I know I put the offer out to Simon last night to do the podcast down in Meetung, but um, it's a little bit last minute, but that's the way we roll sometimes. Now, we often hear in these podcasts about your fishing adventures, Rodney. Have you got anything to report back since our last podcast? Oh, it's funny you mentioned I just spent... Uh, a week or so up at Fraser Island on a liverboard uh, boat up there. And, yeah, we had a ball. I caught my first blue marlin, uh, tagged and released for science. And, um, yeah, we had, we had a fantastic time and and then uh, had some meetings in Brisbane and back home to Trelgan. But, yeah, it's good to be back and, yeah, it'd be nice to be out and about a bit more this week, but I'm sure we'll get our chance. Yeah, well, if the rain subsides and the blue skies p- persist, then you might get your chance, mate. Simon, you much of a fisherman? No, not not too much. I don't really seem to get the time to get out there, unfortunately. You're probably a bit like me. You probably spend most of your time uh, unpicking knots and uh, taking the hooks out of your fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Rodney, before we push into today, today's um, uh, topic about property and, and I guess what that means for the portfolio, I'm interested just in some early thoughts you've got, just some, you know, I guess anecdotes about the market and how it's performing, how things are tracking from a larger financial perspective. You know, we talk, we typically cover that type of theme. I'm, I'm interested in um, what your com- current thoughts are. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good good point at the moment. The market seems to have settled a little bit, but it's kind of bouncing around at similar levels, both probably internationally as well as locally. Interest rates, well, America they've they've kept. Um, bumping them up but Australia seems to have settled down a little bit so I guess the feeling at the moment is probably a bit more of a settled market but a little bit wait and see too John so there's definitely some apprehension towards maybe investing and we were chatting earlier prior to today's podcast and you know maybe a lot of people out there are a little bit committed with whatever strategies they might have at the moment so this sort of cycle is probably going to take a year or so for it to maybe unfold a little bit more and I think Simon will have a bit more of an insight in terms of the psyche with the current market in relation to real estate as well. We spoke a little bit about on-market days at the moment compared to maybe 12 months ago and there's been some pretty big changes there which Simon will enlighten us on. Um, So yeah, it's definitely an interesting time period but it's through these times that those that are regular with their strategies and kind of stick to some sort of strategy, that's where they can really get ahead for the next sort of up up cycle if you like so yeah definitely interesting times yeah yeah definitely i think that sense of thinking long term and not being too reactionary and just trying to uh wait and see and and sort of react with a a bit of thought rather than rather than being too frisky about it Mm. um now simon jason's not here and you've got some pretty big shoes to fill um so how are you feeling about that why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and um and you know we, we can start verging into the into the theme um, yeah, so um, 
I've been in real estate for 12 years now um, and, um, geez, we've had some ups and downs through that 12 years um, and specifically the last three, um, if anyone could have picked that happening, like hats off to you because, um, yeah, it, it was week to week, it was a different every week for the last three years. So mm. There were issues, wasn't there, like with the COVID period, Simon? I remember there were issues around open for inspections. That became a bit of a challenge and... And then there would seem to be this spike in demand. And I remember prior to that sort of last three years that the real estate market was a bit of a grind. I remember having coffees with you just talking about, you know, that you had to do the open days and you do seven or eight on a Saturday and you just had to grind, grind, grind. Um, so it's definitely been a dynamic market, hasn't it? Yeah, we've definitely seen the change Um and um, with the restrictions around government restrictions about open days and inspections, it definitely made things harder for us. But what it did was it actually um, showed us that um, people will make decisions without even coming through properties, which was just amazing. Like people are investing hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. just looking at properties over the internet. I had- I've certainly done that with sneakers yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> books and whatnot, but um, I don't know if I'd be buying a house online tell me about that process how did that change i think um with the first lockdown um we found that people still really wanted to like escape the city and um come regional which was like really great to see and it probably um showed us the trends that we were having with people coming from the say eastern side of the city coming out it was just exacerbated through that Mm -hmm. um and yeah the demand just pushed It, it was just amazing to see that people um, with one fortnight that we worked, we sold 12 houses without people coming through them. It was just amazing. That's crazy. Unreal. And so, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, but I'm keen to hear it from your perspective. What kind of reasons are people citing for the push to move regionally? You know, why, why would they be leaving the city? What were the common things you were hearing? I think for us um, in Latrobe Valley, affordability is the main focus. Mm. Um, if you want to go and live down at the beach... Um, it's almost unaffordable for people now. Like you look at the numbers of the properties selling at Inverloch, like it's not just your mum and dad who can afford to get down there anymore. Like, mm. um, so we're lucky with a medium house sale price of about 480 it's still affordable for people to get into the market. And what was the median sale price at the start of COVID? Um, so 2020, I think it was um, 330 and now we're 480000 yeah, so it's a pretty big jump. And, I mean, you say affordability, but another way to look at the word affordability is value, isn't it really? I mean, what Latrobe Valley or I guess parts of Gippsland represent is good value for the investor or for someone who's trying to, you know, I guess downsize. They're getting good value for the money, aren't they? Mm, that's, a, that's a good point. I think when you look at um, the investment side of things, you can buy a house in Terralgan for 450000 say, and you might get $400 a week rent for it but you're going to have to go and spend nearly a million dollars in Melbourne and those metro areas to get the same return. Mm. And that is always going to be a driving factor for us and it just comes back to affordability for people. Mm. And look, I think that's that's why this is such a pertinent conversation to be having, particularly, you know, in in the I guess in the stadium of this of this podcast, you know, we're talking about investors and and wealth management, wealth creation. Um, you know, there's good value stocks, there's good value uh, superannuation policies is going to be good value investments, whatever it is a- across the market throughout periods of time. So I think this is why it's such an important thing to be talking about. Um, Rodney, interested from your perspective, you know, as, the, as an investment advisor, how property pl- 
plays a part in the strategy and how this um, you know this this time of good value is is either something to capitalize on or you know something to navigate with with a bit of thought. Yeah, well, th- there's definitely a push for investments that provide an income stream. So Simon mentions that the real estate, um, like residential, is paying around about 5% based on that $400 a week for, for that type of home. So people are definitely looking for an income return from their assets. Uh, interest rate rises have meant that that's probably forced people down, down that particular path. Um, in terms of our background... I mean, we probably probably see trends over the time and probably the clients that we've had over the years that have had strong equity in their properties, be it residential or commercial, and that have owned them for a long time have done really well. We've probably seen other seg- segments of the market where people have bought investments with fairly highly leveraged and probably over time we probably haven't seen people capitalise as much. Certainly the last three years with the COVID push and and the rising values across the market no doubt people have done really well out out of that but definitely and it's something Simon might talk a little bit more about is people um, having that longer term horizon to ride out the market cycles and and provide a good offering for their tenants so ultimately what are you as a property investor where you're providing housing residentially or commercially a, a premise for a business so I think sometimes we need to come back to what's the core principle of investing and in in the sense of property it's either you know a place for someone to live or a business giving it somewhere to live yeah well i mean there's heaps of that someone do you want to comment on that um yeah i think um when we look at um investments as far as like real estate goes like you do break it down into those two sectors that um rod's talking about and it's either residential or commercial and i think when you look at that commercial sector um, you can break it down again into another three and say, all right, it's either um, retail, industrial or um, office space. Um, and I think um, residentially people are very comfortable to head towards residential property as far as an investment goes mm-hmm. because everyone has something in common, like you're either renting a house or you're buying a house or you own your house, mm-hmm. um, where commercially we probably don't see as many people head towards that because they don't have the familiar, familiarity with it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, you've, you've mentioned, I've just taken a quick note there, four effective ways to invest in property, you know, residential, uh, retail spaces, office spaces and industrial spaces. So in the case of, I guess, in, in light of what's gone on in the last three years, um, how have they fluctuated? What what have been the, the I guess the the stars of the show? Have they all been strong, or have you found it strong in one area, not another? I think it's been amazing to see um, commercially. It was always something that we saw people investing in, but um, Rod would probably um, be able to back me up on this and say that that yield compression on commercial property has been outstanding. How low people are happy to invest in, um, with interest rates being so low, um, and it's what's going to be interesting over the next few years how those people have invested on such low yields will pan out over the next few years as interest rates rise. Mm. And it's interesting with commercial, John, what are owner-occupier um, purchases or investors versus those that are looking for an investment return. It would be interesting off some of your sales figures, Simon, are you seeing, I don't know, is it like 70%, 80% investors versus owner-occupier? sort of um, I don't have the exact number, um, but I would think it'd be pretty um, 
50-50 in our local area. Okay. Um, I think that um, we're definitely seeing um, investment come from the city. Like it's not all local investors buying investment properties in our area. It is definitely people coming from outside to invest just for those high yields mm, okay. that aren't available in other areas that aren't regional. Yep, yep, yep. So to that point then, the, the high on the factor of high yields, we saw that, you know, residential property was probably representing pretty good value, you know, good size homes, getting good rentals for pretty low low com- rates comparable to the city. Is it the same in the commercial space? Um, yeah, it is. And you could probably see when you go through the CBDs of Moel and Moe, like all these commercial properties have filled up. There's not many properties available now and that's mm. just going to increase rents. Once the, the buildings are full, there's only one thing that can happen and rents will just increase. Yeah, yeah. So as shops get filled or office spaces get filled or industrial spaces get filled, it probably goes without saying that, you know, business is bouncing back and, and you know, businesses are occupying these spaces. They've got employees to fill them. Are you finding that then is, is there the correlation with the residential market that people are now going, well, we also need somewhere to live? I think um, over the last three years what we've seen is um, rents have increased dramatically, um, probably proportionate to um, the prices of properties going up as well. Um, and it just comes down to affordability now too, which is like a scary thing for some people on low incomes. Yeah, absolutely. So with, and we'll come back to that perhaps, with regard to then property prices, good value rates coming up, you know, is this a matter of catch up? Are we really just, were we undervalued for so long and we're now mm. catching up or is this uh, a factor of the, of the inflation that we're going through? What I can see in the market currently is that prices are like coming back um, and um, there's less people looking for properties in the market right now. The activity, the intensity of what was 18 months ago is not now. Um, open days are something that we're doing consistently now. Um, number of inspections have dropped off and the way we've had to kind of sidestep to accommodate the market and the change in it is, um, yeah, it's it's real and it's happening for us right now. So, so how many online sneaker homes are you selling? Are you still getting the uh, people calling up? You know, sight unseen in the sense buying the property? Um, probably not to the extent of what it was. Like there may be one or two people, but it's probably the lower end homes, not the higher end homes for sure. Yeah. And so with these lower end homes, are they uh, typically investors or are they people, you know, looking to, to move in and do flip them or something like that? How is it? Um, it? It's definitely a combination of the two. Um, we don't see lots of people getting in and just flipping houses. I think um, – it is a very hard thing to do. Like we see a lot of people try it, but where the great gains are is when you hold property for a full cycle is what we see. Um, buying and selling houses in short period of time, um, it is very, very difficult to pick the win, the winners in mm. those. Of course, everyone thinks they're a, uh, a candidate for the block though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they do. Um, um, but unfortunately, like regionally, like um, – our houses are cheap and cheerful and um, affordable and that's what we're dealing with. I think through the current cycle, um, Simon, it would appear that there was a bit of an uplift in the quality of homes. Would it be fair to say that investors were reinvesting back a little bit into the properties to make them either more attractive as a rental return or as a, as a potential sale? I, I get the feeling that the opportunity with the low rates did enable the area to sort of upgrade housing and to, to, to put us in a better position for the next five to seven years? I think we did see a little bit of it. I think probably over in the next 
five years to ten years, we'll probably see more of exactly what you're saying. I think mm. people will be getting in and renovating houses mm. and doing extensions um, because they've picked up equity in their house over the last two, three years. Um, the cost of building's gone up. Yep. So I think we're probably going to see a drop in how many houses are being built because okay. of the cost of building and there'll be really good value in established homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so perhaps rather than rebuilding it or building a place from scratch, they're going to go find something that's somewhat decent, give it a good renovation or an extension and, and settle in that way. Well, some of this ties back to local councils too, John, in terms of like land subdivisions and issuing of planning permits and that sort of thing. That can definitely have an impact in terms of availability of property that are for sale. You're seeing much movement in terms of local um, you know, developments, Simon? Um, we're seeing a lot of people from the city, developers coming out seeking like Res 1 land. Okay. Um, looking for it. Um, so, yeah, there's still a demand there. Um, does that cross over to buy demand? I think buy demand has definitely dropped off in the mm. last two years, like from what it was, where the government was giving out the incentives for first home buyers, home, new builds, investment properties. Um, that has definitely dropped right off. Mm. Well, it feels from what you're saying, we're moving or move back towards a more traditional market where. You know, you mentioned before the time on market for properties has gone up from around, what, 20 days up to about 80? Yeah, so um, currently we're sitting on, um, in Terrellgan specifically, 86 days on market, mm-hmm. but we're in, in the peak of the market was 20 days on market. Um, mm-hmm. so. So, so what does that mean from a, an agent perspective? I mean, obviously we're dealing with a lot of local clients and from time to time people are downsizing or or building or whatever, which generally results in a house sale, what's the sort of thing that we need to be telling our clients or or discussing about the value of an agent at the moment? I assume the value in what you do has maybe changed a little bit. Maybe some aspects haven't. Can you clarify that for us? Yeah. So I think probably um, during that COVID period, it was quite easy to sell a property um, and they sold quite quickly. Mm. Um, but the key in that period was getting the number right because any house could sell, but the key was to get the number right where it sat in the market because yeah. the market was moving so quickly. How did you figure out the top of the market mm. um, was difficult? But right now we're in a trend where it's coming back. It's up to the agent to figure out where is the property sitting right now mm. when numbers are coming back. Mm. So I'm, I'm imagining time on market helps determine that. So if you've you've got your home on the market for 120 days, that would generally indicate if you've ran a, a, a proper thorough sort of marketing campaign that it's overvalued. Yeah, I think um, buyer expectation is something out there right now that um, everyone likes to see professional photos, videos, floor plans. Mm. Um, there's a whole gamut of things that people can actually like see and sometimes people are convinced on buying a property before they even attend the property. Like mm-hmm. um, we're there to hold the hand and make sure that we get the best outcome for the vendor but at the end of the day it's got to be a win-win because there's not too many people out there that buy a house and feel that they've been ripped off. Like that doesn't yep. happen. Okay. So uh, part of your role is to ensure that both parties are not feeling too aggrieved in the process. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. probably a pretty good way of putting it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I just wonder about, you know, a bit of a greed factor. You know, if you're holding off for a higher price, um, you know, potentially losing a sale and finding yourself, you know, unable to sell the property, you've got to double back 20 days, 30 days into having the thing on market and suddenly you're getting less than you expected. I mean, you're going to end up with a pretty unhappy vendor at this point. But 
um, you know, I think it's probably we've probably seen similar things in the investment market. Full stop. You know, people you know, there was a there was a share price boom throughout COVID as well. People held on to their stocks and they completely plummeted back as well. Um, you know, how how does greed work in as a factor amongst all these decisions? I know you know money's an emotional thing. Um, you both would have seen it in your own in your own ways. What's the status there? What can you report on? Um, I think that um, the the property market doesn't lie. So when a property's sitting there for a long time, like if um, I'm answering my phone, we're doing inspections, we're doing open homes, and we're not getting a result, it's quite easy for me to come back and give you the, the answer. Like the truth. More often than not, it comes down to mm. price. Because like anyone, when you see value, you'll buy. Yep. Like if you go into a car dealership and there's a cheap BMW on the lot, well, like you're going to buy it. Yep. So I think – I'm it, not, but you might. Pe- pe- people are price-driven. <laughs> you're um, an Audi man. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, people are attracted to the price and that's what I'd probably say there is, um, yeah, like once you've you've done the open days and you've done the inspections, it's just about giving the feedback and I think sometimes too, John, the price is not necessarily determined by the buyer in itself or, or the vendor or even the agent because often the bank has the final say. So if, if you contract a property and um, that's subject to finance, often the bank will have the final say in terms of the valuation and the ability for the purchaser to, to buy that asset. So I think sometimes we, we get lost in that in terms of, and especially when we're involved with you know business sales and that sort of thing like it's one thing to come up with a, a strategy for a, a sale or a sale price but ultimately it's it's not always the buyer or the vendor that holds the the sort of final say in that um, which which is probably not a bad thing sometimes simon yeah 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 i think um yeah definitely the banks get the final say when people are lending money like for sure mm. just casting my mind back to early days when I was a young and working for a financial advisory and um, one of the strategies that was put in play was, you know, buy consistently over a long period of time and, you you, you know, the high prices will come, the low prices will come, it'll average out and obviously you get the benefits. Um, you know, I suppose it's probably a, a bit similar when you have a, a long-term mindset on these things. Um, I think, Simon, like you were saying before, sort of keeping an eye on a full cycle, it's, it's probably going to work out in the end a bit better, you know, greed, Greed is just an emotion that um, can cloud the strategy to a degree. We've probably seen um, some really good winners through the last three years and probably the ones that like stand out for me the most are the people that have held the most number of properties um, because if everyone's property went up, for example, 100,000, if someone held 10 properties, well, there's a million dollars. And and then you multiply it out for people who are holding more and more properties. So um, yeah, the the greatest winners I've seen through this last three years have been people with multiple properties. Yeah, so definitely use the leverage of interest rates, but also the leverage of their own asset base to to hold more properties. You're starting to see some of those investors uh, selling some of those properties now, Simon, or do you see those higher holders of of investment homes? Um, sort of hanging hanging in there for the longer term? Um, we're definitely seeing people um, sell down portfolios, making the most of the market that okay. was. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think um, 
people have been incentivized to see this. Well, I've I've picked up a hundred thousand or one hundred fifty thousand. Some mm-hmm. instances, two hundred thousand plus. Like, yes. um, yeah, it, it's a, a nice big carrot to sell the asset and put the money somewhere else. Are you seeing any any market niches that might be of interest? I, I know a number of months ago you were talking about the apartment market or unit market. I think that um, when you start to look at um, we've had large rises and then when it comes down to, again, like I said again, affordability, um, it's going to be very difficult now that um, houses, the medium house sale price in Trailgans at 485 well, if you can't afford to buy at 485, you're going to be forced to look at a different market, and that may be a unit at 250,000. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a market in more units and lower priced housing okay. in, in, in the area. Who's buying those? Um, I mean, are we seeing much in? I'm thinking, for example, you know, are you seeing first home buyers get into a smaller unit to start with, or is it downsizes, or is it more investors coming in going, well, we'll just, we'll just, you know, we'll take care of this and provide it for whoever whoever wants it. Um, at the moment, I'm seeing investors grab grab the units for sure, um, and I think it's a it's a long hold term like a long term strategy they've got. Um, previously, like they were buying houses, um, but with the way the prices are in houses, we've probably capped out a bit for the moment. Mm, it's interesting. Yeah, Simon, you're part of a first national agency, and first national very large. You know, number a high number of agencies right across the state. Uh, the numbers and the f- um, figures you're seeing from, I guess, the broader franchise replicated here, or there's some some sort of different things. What what can you talk talk about that? Um, from the contact I've had with other agencies, like it's definitely across the board throughout. Like definitely Victoria. I haven't spoken to too many people outside the state, but definitely Victoria. Everyone is feeling kind of the same way at the moment. Like lower number of inspections, like number of people coming through is lower. Um, but, yeah, you kind of wonder what it's going to take to rejuvenate the market back to kind of what it was, but we were probably too much hype in the market at some stage. Yeah. Like, Well, Simon, I mean, you've been an agent now for 12 years. You would have seen a few cycles. I think what you've seen in COVID is probably unlike anything you would have seen prior. So is there um, – times prior to COVID, you know, were there hot periods during that 12 years where, you know, there were other factors? What, what could be comparable to this? What amazes me is there were like blocks of land that have been sitting around in, say, areas like Churchill that sat there for 27 years and hadn't sold. And then through that period we've just had, people were buying these blocks of land and building investment properties on there. And that told me, at that point, I just felt that the market was too hot for, um, and then now we're seeing like it kind of step back a little bit. So when someone's buying old Kent Road, you know that the, the Monopoly board's hot. I, I just kind of stepped back and had a look and go, well, why hasn't someone bought that in the last 27 years and now someone's buying it now? I should I should qualify that with saying Churchill isn't old Kent Road. Now. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the call I was making. There's some <laughs> lovely places out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we, as people would have heard in the podcast over the years, we're based in Tarelgan, which is in Latrobe Valley, which is part of Gippsland, which is East Victoria, which is – in Australia, <laughs> don't know how far away the, the listeners are, but um, is there certain pockets here that uh, are performing stronger than others? Um, I think that um, specifically Tarelgan itself is really sought after. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other areas that are doing really well, but, um, yeah, we really see the demand is there. And when you look at the stats on, say, realestate.com, like it's hard to um, – Go away from that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Rodney, you're 
you serve a, a, a pretty broad audience through Ropen. You guys have investors and, and I guess uh, people that you advise all across the state. Um, how have you seen this, I guess, the change in the property market affect who's coming in and out of your business? You know, you're finding you've got people moving here, they're coming from different areas. What, what are the reasons they're coming? Yeah, that, that that's interesting in the sense the last 12 months or so we've had a number of clients um, sell down on investment properties and there's definitely been some good gains across from like like the Melbourne Ranges through to Lakes Entrance and, and obviously in the local area. So there's definitely been some clients that have taken the opportunity to, to shore up their balance sheet in terms of their debt, so pay down debts and there might be others that are a bit more opportunistic in terms of, you know, building and and renting for a while and then selling and, and capitalising on the gain. But the broader movement that Simon spoke about, I look at some stats about 18 months ago, there's around 7,000 people each year that move out of Melbourne and push down into the Gippsland region. So that is a huge market for us. And, and I think one for like a real estate firm or even a financial group like us to be open to that new market because they're, they're moving down here. Um, they don't have existing accountants or planners or maybe even real estate uh, relationships. So I think that's a very vibrant market for, for groups in these areas. We've noticed just, just through our website and Google that we're attracting a lot of that market outside of probably Terrelgan, John. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a good market for us. It's good for our younger um, team members in the business because they're developing relationships with um, you know new people to the practice and obviously new people to the region so we're definitely open to that market and you know helping people strategize and set themselves up to be successful in Gippsland and, and I think groups like us and you know you're in the design space and marketing and if we're offering good services to new people in the region it gives them a reason to stay. Yep absolutely and we do want them to stay and, and prosper and bring bring all sorts of good things to our region for sure one of the points we've made in our notes here was around uh the term loyalty you know so with these new people coming um you know i guess an investment strategy like we've just said something that goes long term that looks beyond the i guess the trends or what's going on you know loyalty is a, is a big factor and you can also implement implement a long-term strategy loyalty with a real estate agent is also a very good one if they know if they you long term you know helping you guide or find opportunities that suit your style Simon, talk to me about the, the loyalty you've had over, over the years with some of the clients you've gotten, how that might have affected them in the recent years. Um, like I've had a lot of reoccurring business. Like over the last 12 years, you come into contact with like a lot of people in 12 years. Um, and now like it, it's with the way real estate's changing, like the service we've got to offer, it's just um, lifted again, like keeping people in touch with the current market trends. Um, like all our clients, we try and keep up to date with what's happening month to month in our current market and um, what's coming on the market, what's sold to. And these are the expectations with buyers and vendors. Like it used to be that people didn't really mind. They bought a house and they stopped looking. Now everyone's got an interest in real estate and they want to know what the house has sold for down the road and they want to know what their neighbour's house sold for. And Why, why is it? I mean, are we just bloody nosy or like what, what what is driving that i think everyone's pretty <laughs> invested in property now like you talk about it at barbecues like my wife gets pretty angry at me that like everyone comes and talks to me about um, property so i think um yeah everyone's got a common interest like you're either renting or buying or you've got that aspiration to buy or you're selling something so yeah it is definitely a common interest for pretty much all australians the 
do you think that there's more sort of more fish biting on the hook now or is it really just a generational change like you know i think that um a lot more people are open to, invi- to buying investment properties. Like everyone knows someone who's bought an investment property or they're keen to buy an investment property, but Rod would probably be able to yeah, shed it, a bit more light It's there. funny you mention that, Simon, because we probably generally have people come to us more for more liquid investments. So if they're looking to invest, be it through superannuation or, or just a, an ordinary investment structure – People appear on average to come to us for a li- more liquid investment. Um, it's not to say our clients don't have property and it's not to say that clients don't accumulate property portfolios under our guidance, but it's yeah, we, we're definitely um, probably a little bit more known for assets that have got some more li- liquidity. So whereas I, I get the impression the real estate agent definitely has, you know, the clients that come to them looking for you know, a specific, be it a residential asset or investment or commercial assets. So, yeah, there's definitely a, a different dynamic, but but I think it's one that you can sort of work together and make sure that the client's overall financial needs and objectives are sort of reviewed and looked at and, you know, creating a bit, bit of framework around that. Wasn't there a period during COVID where you could almost classify property as quite liquid given how quickly it was turning around? You would have had some, you would have had some stories about, um, about homes properties that were just selling you know i could almost imagine how people lined up before you'd even seal the deal to sell the thing um sometimes um through that COVID period we were selling properties they would have been sold and we're selling them again within 12 months like um and the people are selling well, them for a hundred thousand two hundred thousand more in that period mm-hmm. um but that was a short period of time in 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 time and i probably would say to people like that doesn't happen every day and mm-hmm. um you really need to go into property with more of a long-term outlook than a I'm going to get mm. in and out within two or three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other issue around that, John, is the the buy-in and exit prices with different investments and, and assets. So I'm guessing, Simon, with, you know, uh, stamp duty, you know, agent fees on the way out, um, conveyancing, you're probably looking at, you know, between, what, 7 and 10% for your buy-in and buy-out or sell out costs of, of real estate? Yeah, for, for, for sure. Um, I think like if you said on a, a house that was, say, 450000 it's going to be twenty thirty thousand 30000 just to get in and get out on that. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're going to get in and do a renovation and then sell it off quite quickly, you really need to see where that gain is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think not a lot of people we see do it have been really successful in a short time. But like if you ride the cycle out and hold it for a numerous years that's when you're probably going to see the win and it probably comes back a little bit to investment management or sorry you know property management simon in terms of like maintenance issues and and even tenancy management and that's where i guess a strong rental department is is handy like both residentially and commercially we really saw through that covid period that um rents increased some rents increased a hundred dollars like a week which is like enormous Mm. but um changing someone's rent from 300 to 400 a week like you've got to have the right property manager to do that and mm. there's a process to go through to make that happen mm. yep. Yep. yeah i suppose as an investor you know, that trust on the agent to, to make sure you're doing the right thing or take their advice is, is quite critical not unlike the trust on the financial advisor who's, who's telling you where to invest your money um are you finding people are a little more trustworthy or they're a little bit more skeptical i mean 
you know, we've all heard about people throughout COVID who did their own research, um, quote unquote, and, and people are more knowledgeable these days. How's the trust factor affecting you guys? Um, I think I don't really feel that it's a real drama for us um, that I know of. Um, the thing that I'd probably say is like we do see a lot of people coming in and investing in property and I do question at times where they had gone and sought advice from people like Rod and Jason um, prior to coming and seeing us. Mm. Um, and it's not for me to tell people not to invest in a property or um, – but, yeah, you do want to see the best for people But and that's what I'd probably say um, getting a plan and understanding your long-term goals with property, that's the key at the end of the day. Yeah, Absolutely. I think if you can manage expectations from the start, it probably helps with that relationship from a real estate perspective anyway, doesn't it, in terms of your rental management team and, you know, there's there's a lot of aspect to it and if people are aware of what the obligations are from the start, and I think it can make it a better experience for everyone, including your tenants too. And I think ultimately, you know, sometimes we get a bit lost when, when we buy a rental property, it's to provide housing and it's something that we've spoken about at some of our seminars over the years is that certainty of, of tenancy for, for you know, the, the people, that, the, the, the tenants, I guess. Um, over in Europe, for example, they have a lot longer-term leases, whereas in Australia, on average, our leases are generally fairly short-term, aren't they? Usually Sean? 12 months. 12 months, yeah. So so it's, it's an interesting one. We've definitely had clients that we've spoken to about maybe selling out of you know, their principal residence and creating like cash cash flow and liquidity with, with their funds and maybe to take up uh, tenancy, but it's just a matter of finding the right underlying investor too because as Simon mentioned before, people are buying houses, selling them within 12 months. It doesn't give a long-term tenancy, does it? So, so it's about managing all of those things for the benefit of the tenant as well as the landowner and, and obviously the real estate agent. I think um, one thing to really consider, like, is um, when you are buying the property, like the maintenance around, exactly what you were saying with, like, the right property manager, but getting the right property too. Like, mm. sometimes, like, if you buy a property and it needs a new roof, like 20000 30000 for a new roof, like, you might have got a bargain when you bought it or mm. thought you had, but, like, if it has to be re-stumped and re-roofed, these are things that, like, 50 grand, 60 grand, well... It, and they're the type of expenses that the bank may not come up with in terms of borrowing, whereas yes. if, if you bought a better quality asset at the start, the bank would probably fund all of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you've spoken over over time, Simon, that you've helped clients in kind of hand-picking the right type of property and I think that's where it comes back and we often get lost in the relationship. If the relationship's good and it's a mutual benefit for the client and the agent, then you're going to work a little bit harder together and be a bit more, I don't know, just just have a better flow in terms of the type of investments you're buying. Yeah, for sure. It's always nice to, to find um, someone the right house and it suits their particular needs, for sure. Mm. Um, sometimes um, something looks really cheap on paper, but like when you really knuckle out and find out what's, what's there, it could cost you 100000 that house might not have been right for that person. So, yeah, we do try and guide people to the right um, property, but at the end of the day, it is their decision too. Mm. Oh, for sure, for sure. Guys, we're coming close towards the end of today's recording, but uh, look, there's a, I wouldn't call it an elephant in the room, but it's certainly a hot topic that we probably need to pick up, and that is the current state of the rising interest rates and, um, you know, how the market's responding to that. I'm interested in what your thoughts are. 
Um, so I'm definitely seeing um, buyer confidence down. Um, there's uncertainty that I'm seeing like with buyers um, and I think Rod will be able to shed some light on this. If um, we don't have certainty over the next little while, I think we're just going to see um, things just slowly cool down even more than what it currently is. Mm. It's funny, I, I see it as as an opportunity at the moment maybe i'm a little bit conservative but when the market's moving really fast someone like myself might be a little bit more wary to to go into the market but i i think for the discerning buyer and maybe you know sophisticated investors they they, they might be looking to pick the eyes out of the opportunities and it may not be just price it might be being able to buy a better quality property because the you know the competition's out of the market so so i, I think there's definitely upside but the flip side to all that is I think be it agents or advisory groups um, or, or whatever sector we're in, like the local council trying to bring down people moving out of Melbourne again, we're probably going to have to work a little bit harder to beat our drum to create that activity. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely interesting times, but I think we're just going to have to buckle up, work hard and, you know, build our relationships, work on the relationships and the activity. And I think there'll be outcomes there, but it, it's definitely changed on, on what it was. And we went through it a bit as well, Simon. Our activity uh, last calendar year leading up to Christmas was just insane. And then all of a sudden interest rates went up. Our inquiry in July just stopped. But since then our inquiry has picked up pretty strongly. So so I'm fa- we're fairly buoyant about things, but there's definitely a perception that we've got to probably work that little bit harder. Which, which is not a bad thing. Is the cooling off that you're talking about, Simon, represented in, you know, those other sectors you mentioned, you know, retail, office, industrial, from the commercial perspective, is it, is it common across all areas? We're still seeing, like, your retail space, specifically in the CBD um, here in Traugan, it's full. Like, it's probably been the fullest it's been in the last five, ten years, which is amazing um, for, for the town. Um not really seeing it cool off in those markets, um, but definitely in the residential side it has cooled off. Um, but like Rob was saying, like in that heat of the market during COVID, it was very hard to find true value for the investor. But now we're starting to see value come back. You're looking at property saying, oh, actually, this does seem like fairly good value. Time on market isn't a bad thing for the investor. Mm. The longer it is on the market, maybe there's more opportunity for us to invest. Absolutely. Mm. Guys, look, before we wrap up, is there any extra com- comments or rate things you wanted to raise before we, uh, we finish up? Yeah, I'll probably just to the view that hopefully we've achieved quite a bit out of, you know, the last few years of that, that boom. Hopefully we do have on average better quality properties, you know, better quality um, people moving out of the cities and, you know, hopefully like, like Simon mentioned about Terralgan being set up pretty well with low vacancies and, Hopefully the area is quite prosperous for us. And look, I think even what we represent here in this podcast, bringing real estate agency kind of mentality and investment strategy together, is a, is an interesting one. If we're getting more investors to the region, more astute, um, you know, financial you know, wealth, I guess it's it's interesting to see these two areas crossing over. And might that happen more often? Yeah, no doubt. I I think we're very happy to to have the business or the doors open for new people coming in it's 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 good for our business it creates a bit of a vibrancy and it's good for our younger team to create new relationships so 
we're certainly open to you know offering services to new people and not just yeah existing clients and the type of business we're in we've got clients that have been around for 20 years plus which is great but um it's also good to develop new relationships and and sort of you know it creates a good training atmosphere for your your developing advisors and so forth as well um just wanted to mention on that i read an article yesterday that um australia's population is around 26 million by 2030 it's going to be 30 million these people have to go somewhere mm. and i think regionally we're well positioned to capture the market coming from the city or those coming from overseas migrating to this area like we're cheap affordable housing mm. and i think that's probably one thing to consider when everyone's talking doom and gloom we are very well positioned to capture population growth. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got so much amenity here in Gippsland. You know, you've got mountains to the north, sea to the south. You've got beautiful rolling hills either side. It's uh, it's still a, a best-kept secret in many ways. So, you know, I think probably across the table here we're all pretty optimistic despite um, the rumblings and uh, it's really that long-term view to sort of say, look, stay the course. Mm. Let's keep going and see where things end up. So, uh, look, any last takeaways, guys, before we wrap it up? That's it from me, John. Thank you. Excellent. Um, I'd probably just like to say sometimes um, in property it might not be the property that you're expecting to buy as far as investment property. Sometimes you've got to look for the diamond in the rough and as much as you put into looking for the property is going to be the value that you get out of it. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Simon, for being part of the podcast today. Jason will be uh, very disappointed he couldn't be part of it, I think. You know, it's turned out to become a pretty good podcast, I think. So uh, we'll get him back in the hot seat next time and see how we go. All right. For anyone who's interested in having a more in-depth discussion about the things we've discussed today, please, by all means, reach out directly to Rodney and Jason. You'll find their contact contact information by visiting ropan.com.au. That's R-O-P-A-N.com.au. But, of course, if you have your own financial advisors or trusted friends who you have your best interest at heart, reach out to them too. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next installment of Conversations on Wealth. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please note that the advice discussed in this podcast may not necessarily be suitable to you because it contains general advice that has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. We ask that you please seek personal financial advice prior to acting on this information. To find out more about what was discussed in this podcast or to seek advice, we encourage you to contact the friendly staff at Ropan Financial Services by visiting www.ropan.com.au or referring to the notes in the description. 